Well, today we are again in the book of James. And so as we get into the book of James, I thought it might be helpful in case maybe you missed last Sunday to do a quick review again and get into it. Um, First off, it's good for us to remember uh, who James is. Who is James? Do you know? Who is James? Well, he's Jesus' little brother. He's Jesus' little brother. Imagine that growing up with Jesus. Um, uh, You know, your mom is like, all right, who did this? Who made this mess? I know it wasn't you, Jesus. Which one of the rest of you did it? (laughs) You could never blame him for anything, could you? But think of that. His true humanity, he was a real person who walked the earth. He grew up in a real family, lived a very real life. And he had real little brothers and sisters, the text tells us. And James is likely the oldest of his younger brothers. Well, James is writing this letter about 15 years after Jesus' death, burial, resurrection. And during these 15 years, at some point in time, James comes to faith in Jesus as the Messiah. Can you imagine that? Ever believing in your older brother to be God? And to be the savior of the world, he would have really had to have demonstrated it for you to actually believe that, wouldn't he? Yet James does. And Jesus appears to James after his resurrection uniquely. Um, Well, over this time, over these 15 years since Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, and James coming to faith, James has ascended to become a key leader and pastor in the church. In in fact, um, uh, by the way, just as a side note, imagine Mary and Joseph... They're from a tiny little town called Nazareth. A teenage couple gets married, has kids, wondering how, maybe they struggle to put food on the table. How are we ever going to make it? What's ever going to happen with these kids? And yet, uh, because of their faithfulness, obviously Jesus was there. uh, But then James becomes a pastor and leader of the church. Jude becomes a pastor and leader of the church. Uh, Parents, don't ever get discouraged if you feel like I'm I'm behind, I'm failing. Uh, Trust the Lord, honor him. And uh, trust him to raise and uh, work in your kids as you work hard to raise them to the glory of God. Amen? You never know what God might do. And I just, I think of that, thought of that this week, thinking of of, uh, James and his brother Jude and uh, what it must have been like for Mary and Joseph. Um, But James becomes a key leader in the early church. And Paul actually calls him a pillar of the church along with Peter and John. And actually defers to him at times. James is an incredible leader in the church. So who's he writing to? Who is James writing to? Well, he's writing to Jewish Christians. He's writing to Jewish Christians. Did you know the book of James is the first book in the Bible, in the New Testament, excuse me, to be written? It's the first one written in the New Testament. And so uh, the, the book of James is, is key. He's writing to Jewish Christians. It's before the gospel had spread to Gentiles. And what happens in Acts chapter 8 and, and onward, 7 and 8 and onward, is a great persecution arises in Jerusalem in the church where James is the pastor. And because of this persecution, all the Christians are driven out of town. And they're driven out all around uh, Palestine and to the far uh, reaches of it. Uh, because of their faith. They're in new places with no jobs. With Imagine what that might have been like for them. These are the people James is writing to. So why is he writing to them then, number three? Well, James is writing to encourage them to live out their faith in the midst of trial. In the midst of persecution, he's saying, hey, hey, don't give in to temptation like we saw last week, right? But embrace the trial. Live out your faith. That's what uh, God is calling James, or James is calling his people to do. 
Um, maybe if you're facing a trial, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to last week's message on trials. You can find it online. And then finally, what's the, what's the big idea in James? Well, uh, you see all throughout James, he divides these sections. He starts out this term, my brothers, along with some kind of a command. And every time we see that, we know here's a new, new section of thought from James. And it all builds to the middle of the book where he uh, compares in James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18, wisdom from above versus wisdom from below. So every week as we study a passage together, uh, we're going to look at it and we're going to say, is this wisdom from above? And how do we avoid uh, buying into wisdom from below? Does that make sense? So that's where we're headed. I just I wanted to review that again for those of you who weren't here. Make sure we're on the same page. So with that, let me read the text for today, okay? And then we're going to pray, and then we're going to unpack it. You with me? So yeah. yeah. All right, here we go. James 1, verse 19 through 27. Know this, my beloved brother. See, there's the, my, my beloved brothers. There's our clue. And here comes the command. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and he goes away at once and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion, though, that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Jesus, and thank you for uh, his younger brother, James, and all that uh, he's written here, Father, for us to learn from and that you inspired. Uh, Holy Spirit, would you use me and uh, teach through me and teach me even? Thank you that you forgive me and choose to use me even in spite of my sinfulness. Um, Holy Spirit, would you too uh, uh, bind the enemy? I pray against him, his works and effects and... uh, I pray instead, Holy Spirit, would you change us? Would you help us to heed this warning, to be quick to listen to your word, not to check out, but to be quick to listen and quick to do? Lord, we love you. We praise you for Jesus and pray all this through him. Amen. You know, there's a um, a guy addressed, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but I think it was Princeton's graduation one year and uh, giving the commensuratory address, right? Uh, commencement address, and he says, uh, so here's what's going to happen. I've been given a certain amount of time. I'm going to, uh, the plan is I'm going to speak for about this long, and then and you're going to listen, but let's hope we end at the same time. <laughs> Did you get it? Think about it. I'm going to speak. You're going to listen. Let's hope we both quit at the same time. That you quit. That's the idea of James here. Be quick to listen. Let's read. Here's what he says. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Uh, James right away gives us a short outline of the passage for today. He's got three main points. Can you name them? Like you don't even have to be a, a scholar of the Bible to understand the three points today, do you? Be what? Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. What's curious is... Um, 
This is the command that goes through the entire passage. James is going to unpack these commands. And then in verse uh, 27 and really other places all throughout, he's going to give us illustrations for what it looks like to live these things out. But he actually takes it in a different order than he states it here. He starts with, be slow to anger. And then he says, be quick to hear and slow to speak. So let's just follow his lead. We've got one part quick and two parts slow. Are you with me? Here we go. Now, here, now think about these two. Hearing and speaking clearly go together, right? But where does anger fit in? Like, where does James come up with anger? How does that fit into this equation? Well, I don't know about you, but usually when I am uh, slow to listen and quick to speak, the opposite of this, it's when I'm angry. Isn't that true? How many times when you're angry, do you just like, something comes out of your mouth and you're like, ah, a few minutes later, I shouldn't have said that. But I was angry. Well, you're supposed to be slow to anger. And then when, when you're angry, you don't always listen either, do you? You're slow to hear and slow to listen. And so they go right in order. And James goes after the anger piece first because he knows if we don't get this under control, we've got no hope for the rest of them. If we don't get rid of the anger, there's no way we're going to hear God's word. And there's certainly no way uh, we're going to bridle our tongue to be careful what we say so that we actually live out his word. And why would he write this? Remember, James is writing to persecuted Christians. Why would he write this to them? Well, remember, in a trial, you're facing two things, right? You've got two options. You can either embrace the test from God, or you're also going to be tempted. And, and oftentimes that temptation is to be angry. And James is saying, don't get angry in your trial. Instead, trust the Lord. Uh, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. By the way, isn't it true? You can be really good at two of these, but still fail in the third. In, in any of the three, right? The other thing too, you can be really good at all three of them externally, but in your heart. Because maybe you're like, oh, I'm, I listen really well. I'm, I'm a reserved person. I listen. That's my personality. Okay. How about in your heart? Do you really listen in your heart? Are you really slow to speak in your mind? Or are you always like, oh, I got an answer for them. I can't wait to, to say it. I wish I, wish I could say it. Are you quick to get angry in your heart? See, James isn't just concerned with the outward, but, but also in your heart. What, is that, what does that look like? So as we go through these together, examine both outward and inward. He says, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. James has a very simple point here. He says uh, that human anger does not produce behavior that's pleasing to God. Nope, it doesn't. How many times when you've been uh, angry, humanly speaking, has that ended well? Pretty much never, right? Because it doesn't produce the righteousness. It doesn't produce the good deeds. That's how James uses the term righteousness here, uh, that God demands and desires for us. Instead, it, it, it actually produces quick speaking and slow listening when I'm angry. So James says, be slow to anger. This is the first command that James dials in on. And it's exactly opposite of the steadfast patience and endurance he told us to to, to seek in our trials last week. So many awful things come about due to unchecked anger. And you see it in the Bible too, don't you? How about right in the garden, Peter? 
Peter uh, in the garden after uh, they, they show up to arrest Jesus. Was, was Peter quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to anger? No, he was angry. And then what did he do? He whop, got the guy's ear. He wasn't, he wasn't any of these things. And I don't know about you, but there's, there's times in my life where I'm not either. You know, it, it's true, too, that so many church fights and battles come from people being uh, uh, quick to speak and slow to listen and quick to become angry. We got a annual, we got a, a special business meeting coming up in a couple of weeks, right? And uh, talking about our facility, and there's going to be a vote that relates to financing the facility, and how are we going to do this? And um, uh, I hope you're praying. I'm praying that that the enemy wouldn't have a foothold somehow in us to make some of us be quick to speak and slow to listen. <laughs> That'd be bad news. That'd be bad news. Guard your heart. Pay attention to James' words here and, and protect their unity. And again, you may be like, well, I don't get, ever get angry. Most people would describe me as calm and collected and easygoing. Well, again, what about your heart? See, look at what, look what Jesus says. James so often echoes his older brother. You ever see little brothers who echo and, and mimic their older brothers? James does it all the time. All the time he's quoting his brother or saying things in the same way that his brother said them. Uh, here's, what, here's what Jesus says in Matthew 5. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I tell you, I say to you, that everyone who's angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. In, in the Psalms, uh, uh, the psalmist writes, refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. Don't get yourself all worked up. It only ends badly in your anger. Uh, Paul in Ephesians chapter 4 says to in your, in your anger, do not sin. There is a righteous anger. I don't think James is saying that, that there's never things to be angry about. He, he's kind of taking on the role of, a, uh, of the, the um, wisdom literature of the Old Testament where it was generally true and they made big sweeping statements to make a point. And that's what James is doing here. Because there is certain things to be righteously, rightly angry about. Right? Sin in our world. It's right to be angry about it. Uh, some of the, the heartache and poverty and hurt that happens because of sin. It's right to be angry about those things. But don't be angry, humanly speaking. Don't be angry, uh, you be angry, but um, be angry because maybe God is uh, made less of in sin. Paul also says in Colossians, but now you must put, put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your ma- mouth. Proverbs twenty nine twenty two says, A man of wrath, a man of anger, stirs up strife, and one given to anger causes much transgression. Isn't that true? How many of us, if we're honest, we struggle with anger? And maybe not outwardly, but in our hearts we do. James says, um, look what he says in verse 21. Therefore, hey, when you see therefore in the Bible, what do you ask yourself? What's it there for? So he's talking about what's right below, what's right before that, where he says, uh, don't be angry, right? Um, and he says, therefore, because anger doesn't produce the righteousness of God, therefore put away all filthiness. And he's inclu- think about it, he's including anger in this. Not just anger, but all filthiness. Anger is a part of that. And rampant wickedness. And receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. 
So in other words, James is saying, because anger doesn't produce godly living, uh, put away all filthiness. Put away all moral filth from your life. Paul uses this imagery all the time uh, on like putting on clothes and taking off clothes that you're putting on the righteousness of Christ and you're taking off your old self. James is saying, put off all moral filth. Put off all wickedness. And he's including anger in that. Human anger, he's including in that as moral filth. And, And James isn't the only one who says it. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, let all bitterness and wrath, he, listen, he includes all these things together, all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Put it away. Never to pull it out again. Be done with it. Be dead to that because in Christ you are dead to that. Peter even says it too. And by the way, Peter, again, he's writing after James, just like all the rest of the New Testament writers. And Peter's writing to a similar audience of persecuted Christians. And his first letter is all about trial. And uh, he says the same thing. Look at verse 1 of chapter 2. He says, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. And instead, like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. Uh, Peter says, put away uh, wrath, put away malice, put away anger, and long for God's word. Well, look what James says. He he just told us, he said, uh, put away filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness, with humility, the implanted word. You need to receive God's word. Not just put off filth, but receive God's word. You got to replace it with something. Otherwise, guess what's going to come back and infest your soul? All that will, all that filth, all that anger, all that wickedness. Replace it with God's word. And, and he even talks about, to Christians, the implanted word. You know, if you're a Christian, you actually have the Holy Spirit living in you. But so often we can quench the spirit. And in our humanity, we get angry. In our sinfulness, we get angry. And James says, put that away and instead receive the spirit, receive the word that you already have that's implanted in you. Receive it. Let him change you. Let him control you. Tell me, are you willing to receive God's word? It it takes humility to receive it. I mean, when you face correction according to God's word, how do you receive it? When you're bitter and somebody tells you, don't be bitter. It's only hurting you. Do you receive it? Or do you go, yeah, I know, but I'm still bitter. You don't know what they did to me. You're right, I don't. I know what God's word says. You can get better or you can stay bitter, right? Uh, are you, it takes humility to admit I'm wrong and I need God's word to change me. How do you receive it? What about when you face correction or a dispute in terms of a differing opinion? Or maybe you have a wrong interpretation of scripture. How do you receive uh, that instruction? Be quick to listen. Be quick to hear God's word. Slow to become angry. Don't, many, of, many people so often, as soon as they're corrected with something from God's word, maybe some of you even sitting here today, I've said something and you're angry about it. <laughs> I don't agree. I don't like it. I don't like that about God. I don't like that about you. I'm done. I'd leave, but everybody would watch me. <laughs> right? I mean, we get, we get angry sometimes. But James says, listen, don't be angry. Be quick to listen. Don't be angry. Put away that filth. Put away that wickedness and receive God's word. 
The number one reason we don't receive things well is because of sin, like human anger. We've got to be rid of it. To, to receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. To hear his word. You know, it's not so much usually, too, that we can't hear it. It's like a radio. You know how radio works? Do you know all around you right now, all around me right now, there's, there's radio playing? There's jazz. There's classic rock. There's NPR. There's sports radio. It's, it's all over. I mean, it's in this room right now, it's playing. You're like, I don't hear it. Well, why don't you hear it? Why don't you hear it? You're not tuned into it, are you? You're not tuned into it. Well, James is saying it's the same thing. You need to put off all filth and anger and wickedness. And God's word is coming at you all around. But you've got you to tune your ears to hear it. You've got to turn the dial and get on the right frequency. And when you do, trust me, it comes through loud and clear. You're like, I, I, but I never hear God speak. Well, maybe you need to repent and, and, and seek him in his word. And he'll speak to you. Get on the right frequency. Or, or maybe, or worse yet, maybe uh, as a Christian, your radio dial is stuck. You remember how old radios used to work? You don't see these very often anymore, but um, I think of my dad's truck. My dad drove a Chevy truck like this one on the screen. And I couldn't find a picture of his, but it looked very similar to that, just not as big of tires. Same thing when I was a little kid, orange and white. And inside was this radio. And there's a picture of that there too, this, this radio where... Um, it had a dial on it. Randy, you've got a truck like this. You still have that radio? So you can go see Randy's truck after the service if you want to see what I'm talking about. Um, but there was this dial, and you had to like flip between FM and AM, and then uh, the little orange dial would go back and forth, and you really, really never knew quite what frequency you were on, and you had to kind of turn it. Well, in, in my dad's truck, at a certain, certain point on the dial, it got stuck. And you'd keep turning, but the, the orange line just stayed right there. And the only way to get it to jump past that was you had to hit some of those preset buttons and just kind of pound them, and then it'd jump ahead, and then you could keep going. Anybody have a radio like that? You know, sometimes, too, not only put away anger and moral filth and wickedness, sometimes part of that is stubbornness. And sometimes as Christians, our dial gets stuck. And so everything we hear comes through this one frequency. And I interpret everything through this narrow little view that that's, oh, I don't, I don't agree with that. I don't like that. Nope, 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 nope. And we ignore so much of God's word. And we ignore so much of the perspective of uh, maybe uh, the application of God's word and even the direction maybe a church is going or whatever that is. And because our, our frequency stuck, somebody needs to come up behind us and smack us and, and hit the button, get the dial to move so we can get the full range of frequency to hear God's word. If you're stuck, maybe you need to repent. If you're, you just, uh, you're just not dialed in, you need to repent and, and tune in to God's word. James says, get rid of your sin, your pride, your anger, your moral filth, your rampant wickedness, and get in tune with God's word. Receive it humbly with meekness. It will change you. It will save you. It, it kind of reminds me of like the way a, a bird feeds its uh, young. You ever watched it? You ever turn on Discovery Channel and there's little birds in the nest? And what do they do when mama bird comes and brings them a worm? How do they sit? They sit there with their beaks like wide open, like, ah, you know? And they're just waiting. They're reaching up and straining their their beaks like wide open, straight up. And then what's she do? She drops the worm in their mouth. You know what? That's a good picture. Because they're receiving food from their mother. 
And they're receiving it with humility and meekness because they know they, they maybe can't. That's how we need to receive God's word, with humility and with meekness, to let God uh, feed us from his word. Um, and just one last thing here on this whole issue of anger and moral filth. A lot of times I mentioned we'll get we'll get anger when we angry when we hear God's word taught rightly. We get angry when we hear it taught rightly because maybe we don't agree with that interpretation. Maybe culture doesn't agree with it. And so I've I've grown up and I've heard certain things and I I don't buy that. Well, you know what? If there's a contradiction between God's word and my opinion, who's wrong? Me. <laughs> If God's word and my opinion are not in sync, the problem isn't God's word. The problem is me. And I need to repent and figure out, okay, what's the issue here that I need to put off, that I'm not believing his word, taking it for what it is, and I need to repent. Because the problem isn't God's word, it's me. Amen? So don't get angry at God. Be slow to anger quick to listen and receive his word instead with meekness. Um, So James goes on then, after addressing this issue of anger, he kind of goes back to the beginning of his passage and he says, to be quick to hear the word. Um, He again, he's kind of quoting his older brother. Jesus said this in Luke chapter 11, verse 27, 28. As he said these things, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, This was a common blessing. So she heard him preach and she's like, oh, wow, you're amazing. And she says, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts at which you nursed. In other words, your mom has got to be so proud. She's so blessed, right? And look how Jesus replies. He goes, well, actually, blessed rather are those who, who hear the word of God and keep it who hear the word of God and do it. And James is saying, um, be quick to hear the word, but not just to hear it, be quick to do it. Because it's more than just listening with your ears. It's putting it into action. True hearing of God's word is living it out. Is actually doing it. See, look at what he says here. He starts up here in verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Uh, The word hearers there in Greek is this word called akroates. Is the Greek word. And it can also be translated literally as um, to audit. You ever, you ever audit a class in college? Do you know what that means? In college, sometimes, depending on the professor, you can audit a class and you pay a small fee so that you can go and you can sit in on the class and you can hear everything that's taught and you can take notes and you can be part of the class. But guess what you don't have to do? Any of the work. You also don't get a grade, but you don't have to do any of the work. You don't have to turn in assignments. You don't have to do anything. You're just, you're just auditing it. You're just hearing it. You're just a hearer. James says, don't just, don't just audit God's word. Don't just hear it and never do anything about it. No, 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 no. Take the full class. <laughs> Enroll as a student of his word, right? Don't just hear it, but do it. Don't be, but be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. I've used this phrase often. If your faith hasn't changed you, you haven't done anything about it, then uh, it probably hasn't saved you. Or maybe the question is, uh, can you really be sure that it's saved you? If, If it's never changed you, if you only hear it and you never do anything about it, are you really sure that you have saving faith? It's the question of your lifetime. 
What will you do with Jesus? Do you really have it? See, uh, Jesus says this later in Revelation, uh, through, through the words of John in Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and the testimony of Jesus, even all that he saw. And then look at this, verse 3. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. That's why I read it this morning, so I'd be blessed, just so I'd read it. And then, uh, and blessed are those who hear. So are you, because you heard it, right? I mean, but wait, there's more to this statement, isn't there? It's not just reading it aloud. It's not just hearing it. It's, look, and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. It's not just hearing God's word. It's not just preaching God's word. It's, it's doing his word. It's living it out. And, and James, he says, don't be doers only, or hearers only, be doers of the word. And so then James, like any good pastor, he gives us some vivid illustrations. Here's what he says. Look at verse 23. For if anyone is only a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. Tell me, why do you look in a mirror? Why do you look in a mirror? It's not a hard answer. Just help me out. Why do you, why do you look in a mirror? See what you look like. Yeah, see what you look like. Uh, or maybe, guys, maybe you look in a mirror to shave, right? Make sure you don't miss any spots. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've done that. And then I've got like this little patch here and somebody says something. I'm like, oh, I missed a spot. Oh, yeah, I guess I did. You ever, you ever do that? I mean, you're looking in a mirror to see what you look like. But look what James says. And then also to make some changes if you need to, right? Like you wake up in the morning and uh, you, you need to do something about your hair. Some, I'm sorry, you need to. You got bedhead, something fierce, and you're walking out of the house like that? Really? Really? Okay, why don't you look? Have you looked in a mirror today? How many moms has ever said that to them? Right? Have you looked in a mirror today? But look what James says. He says, but he, he's like a man, person who only hears it, never does it, who looks in a mirror. For he looks, verse 24, at himself, and then he goes away, and at once he forgets what he was like. James is like, how many of you, you get up in the morning, you've got bedhead, you look in the mirror and you're like, whoa, wow, I got to do something about that. And then you walk out of the house never to look in the mirror again the rest of the day. James says, you're like a per- that's what a person's like who only hears God's word and never does anything about it. That's what someone who only hears God's word, God's word but doesn't do it, that's what they're like. They hear truth. You, you maybe even give assent to it in your mind, like, yeah, that's true, I believe that. All right, you know, um, uh, good word, pastor, that's a great text. Yeah, that's a sin I struggle with that I need to deal with. Um, I struggle with anger. I need to fix that. Uh, I get stuck on the frequency of hearing everything through one lens. I need to change that. But then at the end of the day, you do nothing about it. You're like a man who looks in the mirror sees what he looks like, only walks away to forget all about it. Because you're only hearing God's word, maybe even ascending to it mentally, but you're not doing anything about it, is what James says. If that's you, and be honest, it's all of us at times, we need to repent. Because you've got some major bedhead. You've got some major spiritual bedhead, and you need to do something about it. Amen? To hear God's word and to do it. But then James gives us, so there's wisdom from below, is to just hear it and not do it. Here's wisdom from above. Look, the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. The one who looks into the perfect law, looks intently, he leans in to see it. Um, we use this definition of faith, right? Faith is believing God's word. And then what? Acting upon it. 
no matter how I feel, because God promises a good result. Well, there's the good result. If I believe God's word and I don't just uh, read it and believe it, but I actually put it into action, not just a hearer who hears, but, but a doer who acts, uh, I will be blessed in my doing. God promises a good result as I live it out. That's what James is telling us. Now, this isn't like rocket science, is it? This is just really simple to understand. But tell me, how hard is it to do? It's so hard because we are so sinful. And we need to repent and not just hear God's word, but to do it. Well, finally, James moves on then to the third issue. Not uh, be slow to anger, be quick to hear, and now be slow to speak. James says in verse 26, If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. By religion here, James is referring to ritual or uh, to, to practice, the outward manifestation of my faith. He says, if, if, if you, um, you, you know, you, you say you believe it and, and you profess it all the time, um, but you can't even keep your tongue quiet and be slow to speak. He's building back upon his earlier command, right? If you can't be slow to speak, you prove your religion, your religion is worthless. It's worthless. Maybe this is the area you struggle with. Uh, you, you think you're religious, but you have a loose tongue. You like to gossip. Um, you think you're following the Bible, but, but all the time just uh, crazy things come out of your mouth and really quickly without thinking. <laughs> um, James says your religion uh, is worthless. Your, your evidence of your faith uh, isn't really helping anyone else to believe. The rabbis observed that two ears were given to us, but only one tongue, and that the ears are open and exposed, but your tongue is hidden behind your teeth. <laughs> so you'd be quick to listen and slow to speak. James actually takes, we'll get to this again later, but maybe we'll go read it now. In James chapter 3, he actually builds on this idea. Let me just read it to you. Uh, Look at James chapter 3. He says, uh, Not many of you then should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness, for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man. We all fail at this, don't we? To bridle our tongues, to keep our mouths shut. (laughs) When they should stay shut. James says, if you, if you don't, if, if you never stumble in what you say, you're a perfect man. Jesus is the only one. Able also to bridle his whole body. If we, if we put bits in the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we can guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are large and they're driven by strong winds, they're guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird or reptile or sea creature can be tamed, and it has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. For with it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in his image. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not be so. 
Does a spring pour forth from the same opening a fresh and salt, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. And as he told us before, um, you need to be uh, slow to speak. Because if you're not slow to speak, a, a quick tongue does not produce righteousness. And uh, it, it makes your religion, your outward manifestation of your faith, worthless. Worthless. You may be 100% right about You know, here's, here's the challenging part about this. You might be 100% right about something, but you say it in the wrong way. You're quick to speak and give an answer. And guess what? That rightness has a zero effect in someone else's lives. Uh, husbands, right? Wives, right? You, you might be right about something, but you say it at the wrong time in the wrong way. Um, even if you're totally right and you're proven to be right later, be slow to speak. Be slow to speak. Uh, some of us, we need to learn, as James says, to bri- we all do actually, to bridle our tongue. Uh, Solomon, the second wisest man to Jesus to ever live, wrote this. He said in, in Ecclesiastes verse 3, um, there's a time to keep silence and a time to speak. To bridle my tongue, you know what it means? It means I need to know when to open my mouth and when to keep it shut. Even if I'm right, I need to know that sometimes there's just a time for listening. And if I'm going to fault one way or the other, I should be quick to listen and slow to speak, James tells us. In Amos, Amos, the prophet Amos writes, he says, Therefore he who is prudent will keep silent in such a time, for it is an evil time. Uh, we should speak the truth. When we do speak, we should speak in love. Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Peter, again borrowing from James, says that we should speak the truth with gentleness and respect. He says, Even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason, for the hope that's in you. Yet do it with gentleness and and respect. Do it with gentleness and respect. Be uh, slow to anger, be quick to listen, and slow to speak. You know, there's, there's kind of an old, old wise saying that says, uh, uh, it's better to be uh, thought a fool for keeping quiet than to prove yourself one by opening your mouth. <laughs> Isn't that true? Loved ones, we need to be quick to listen, quick to hear God's word, quick to do God's word. We need to be slow to speak, even when we're right, even when we're right. And to guard ourselves to do both of those things, we need to make sure we're slow to anger and put off filth and wickedness and sin so that it doesn't come out in those ways. Well, James wraps everything up with a final illustration And in it, I've got some arrows even on your notes there, right? He kind of ties back up into each of the other points as he closes and brings it full circle. He he gives this illustration. He says, so uh, if you speak too soon, your religion, uh, if you don't bridle your tongue, your religion is worthless. But here's what religion is that's pure and undefiled before God the Father. He says, uh, it's to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. 
Now, James, again here, this is a command throughout Scripture, but James is actually using it not as a command, but as an illustration, as one example. And he goes into both of those previous two things. He's here and being slow to speak, and he goes back, he circles back up to uh, be uh, not just hearers of the word, but doers. He says, for example, uh, visit orphans and widows in their distress. Put your faith into action. The Jewish Christians, what did they know to be God's word? They knew the Old Testament. And all throughout the Old Testament, it says, uh, it, it's, it's very clear that God cares for those who are less fortunate, who, who have faced some type of reversal in their life, like an orphan who's lost their parents or a widow who's lost their spouse. Care for them. The Lord cares for them. Put that truth into action. But listen, that's not the only truth James would have you put into action. There's so many other parts of God's word that you shouldn't just be hearers of, but doers of. And here he gives us this one illustration, a very poignant one for them, uh, being persecuted Christians, uh, knowing God's word in the Old Testament that made a lot of sense to them. And then he goes on, he even circles all the way back up to the beginning to this idea of anger and putting away filthiness and wickedness. Or if you have a King James version, putting away all, I think it says superfluous naughtiness from your life. He says to keep oneself then. The other part of it is to keep oneself unstained from the world. See, not just wait until you have it and put it off, but just don't, don't even go there. Don't let yourself be stained by wickedness and by sin and by filth. Live out your faith. Now, this doesn't mean that I have to like hole up and never go out in the world, never see anybody, never talk to anybody and live in my own little bubble. No. It just says, uh, you're going to be in the world. Jesus sent you into the world, but Believe the truth. Believe wisdom from above, not wisdom from below. And be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Amen? Let me pray. Uh, we'll take our offering, and we'll sing, and we'll call it a morning. Father, thanks for Jesus, and thanks again for your word. And Lord, I thank you for James and just the practical nature with which he writes. Uh, Father, it's, it's impossible, I really think, if we're, we're even being, not maybe, maybe we're not quick to listen, maybe we're even slow to listen. It's still, not, it's still not hard to hear the truth of your word through James and how to apply it. Lord, so often um, we find ourselves angry, humanly speaking. It leads us to open our mouth quickly. It leads us to uh, fail to hear your word. And to grow and learn from it. Instead, would you help us to live this out? Be reminded of it throughout the week. I pray for those, Father, who have um, maybe never trusted you but are here today. Or hearing my voice. Would today be the day, Holy Spirit, you'd work in their hearts where they would, they would recognize that they have been very slow to listen to your word. And might they be quick to hear it, and quick not only to hear it, but to do something about it, to repent, Jesus, and to turn to you in faith. You promise that as they do that, you'll bless their doing of repentance, and you'll actually adopt them into your family and make them your own. Lord, guide all of us in this truth, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.